Welcome back to the Rising Tribe. I'm Jared, and I just wanted to put this disclaimer here real quick before we get started. Austin and I had such an awesome time recording this conversation that we decided to actually split it up into two parts. So stay tuned for part two coming out here real soon. But for now, enjoy part one of the lessons that we've learned in our marriages so far. Welcome to the Rising Tribe. I'm Jared. And I'm Austin. And our goal is to inspire men to build strong families and discover their potential as men, husbands, and fathers. And we do this by having authentic conversations about faith, family, health, and business as we strive to uplevel our lives and the lives around us. So, Jared, we both hopped on today, and I noticed we both had our materos ready to go, uh, hot water ready to go. I'm I'm uh, sipping on some CBC, and it's uh, Guadana flavored. I just got to oh, ask. I what, almost what, grabbed I almost grabbed that. I have. It, I literally have it in the cupboard right now. Um, <laughs> I almost grabbed the Guadana. Now, I'm drinking you, a yeah. Cruz de Malta, mm. and it's the uh, menta in boldo flavor. So it's like That's extra good. light, um, and I'm a big fan of the mint. Dude, that the Cruz de Malta is pretty, like, pretty amarga, really bitter from what I remember. I'm not, I don't know. But the CBC, I've always <laughs> yeah. liked it because, like, they've got the Guadana flavor and then they've got, like, some fruity flavors. They've got some fun ones like grapefruit, orange. Yeah. yeah. First, when I first started drinking uh, Yerba Mate, I, I could only do the fruity flavors with a ton of sugar. I was like, it has yeah. to be so sweet. Otherwise, I'm not drinking this. But then, uh-huh. like, six months later, one day I just woke up and I was like, I want the most bitter Yerba there is. And that's what got me hooked on it. <laughs> so good, man. I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I remember like not liking it at all, but it just became, you know, for our morning studies during our missions, like it became so associated with, with a good study. So now like, I don't know that I actually like the flavor that much. Like I do, <laughs> but I'm wondering like, is it just the feeling or like the nostalgia that I get behind it and like all the good memories, but Hey, well, uh, We'll see. I always joke with there were some missionaries that came over the other day and they took a sip and I'm like, gee, it it it, uh, it tastes like grass, but just take away the G and the R. And so anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, dude, well, what's funny is um, Bill Perkins actually wrote a book called uh, Die With Zero. And it's a okay. book about how he thinks a lot of people are over saving, um, like people yeah. that are you know good about saving money often save too much money and they don't think about having the experiences they want in life at the right phase of their life. And so they end up like scrimping and saving for a really long time, missing out on opportunities that they could really only do at a young age, like, you know, going wakeboarding or something and then waiting until, you know, you're 65 and you're retired to then be like, well, now I have the time and money to go wakeboarding and have a boat, but I can't use them anymore because I'm so old, you know? And so (laughs) one of the things he talks about though, is when we have a, when we have like an experience, um, like, you know, drinking mate, every time you drink mate, like now you're reliving a little bit of every one of those experiences from before. And so it's kind of like getting paid dividends on those experiences that you had, you know, years ago. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's part of what makes the, uh, the appeal to it so strong is that we've had, you know, mate, I don't know, oh, yeah. hundreds of times. Uh, you know, when we were missionaries and now like drinking it, I, I mean, I think it tastes good that are like all my taste buds are dead. I like it. <laughs> I just like it anyway. Uh, but it's also like a small reminder of all of those mm. great memories, um, and learning experiences, bonding experiences. I know I bought a bunch of, um, a bunch of different mates and materos with, uh, companions of mine, housemates of mine. And so a lot of those, like those cups that I have, like they remind me of people yeah. and experiences. Yeah, they like mean different things. It's it's fun, man. I like that we do it. So gets gets good conversation going. So I uh I, I mean I'll let you kind of introduce our topic this month. Valentine's Day, right? Coming up oh, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> so No, I'm I'm really excited. We we had this idea to um to talk about the things that we've learned in marriage so far. Um and 
Well, there's a lot of things because we both started off on a pretty rough patch, uh, starting with our, our engagement stories. So <laughs> I yeah. am really excited to hear uh, the story of how you and Kai got engaged because from what I remember, she did not say yes the first time she, around. So she, she did turn <laughs> me down round one. So and I'll, I'll explain kind of how that happened. So, you know, we, we had decided that we wanted, it, it, it's not that bad where she said no to my face, right? We had decided that we wanted to get <laughs> married and, you know, ended up, I ended up going ring shopping. So she kind of knew that something could happen. And um, I took her shopping and I decided, you know, what ring do I want to get her? I ended up getting the ring. So we fast forward to the big day where I'm going to ask her to marry me. And I decided to get her sister to help me get all of the, you know, engagement stuff ready. So fun backstory here before I get into the engagement. Um, we're getting everything ready. I, I I went over to Kaya's sister's house often to get everything set for the engagement. I drop off flowers there to kind of make sure that I had all my stuff, you know, vases. I was going to do a cute little picnic scene. So I had uh, the flowers, the vases, Martinelli drinks, you know, your, your, your cider and some, you know, really cute vases, you know, cups for that. So long story short, with me going over to her sister's house all the time in my black CRV, at one point, her sister's neighbor approaches her and goes, hey, um, so what about that black CRV that's like all the way, always over at your house? And like, who is that? Totally like wondering, like, why is there a guy coming over to your house? <laughs> <laughs> dropping off flowers no but really it was like my staging like my home base for the for yeah, the yeah, engagement yeah. but uh it was so funny hopefully this doesn't get around back to this lady but she just goes who is that guy and asha just says oh that's my brother-in-law he's planning his engagement and the lady just goes oh didn't say anything else after that <laughs> like nothing okay. nothing so it's just like i'm like well I totally think something going on there long story short i end up going to pick Kaya, uh, I end up going to, uh, I'm going to tell Kaya, I'm going to, Hey, I'm going to pick you up for dinner tonight and we're going to go out. So Kaya is lifting weights, um, in, in Utah and she calls me and says, Hey, where are you? And I said, Hey, I'm at, I'm at BYU lift. I'm at BYU doing my studies right now. Um, I'll see you later tonight. Well, what I was actually doing is I was driving to her sister's house to pick up the roses, the flower, like the roses, <laughs> the Martinelli's, the, the champagne glasses. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm studying. Don't worry about it. I'll pick you up later. And I'm driving to her sister's house. And in my rear view mirror, I see Kaya's car, like right behind <laughs> me. So I'm like, I'm like sinking down into my seat, hoping that she doesn't see me. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kaya's calling me a ton. Like, what's going on? And I get stopped at a red light and she can see my car. She sees the plate and I'm like, crap. Like she knows that I'm doing something <laughs> other than what I told her. And now she thinks I'm up to something. So I lose her and I speed off and I go to, uh, I, I go to her grandma's house to drop off. I'm sorry, to pick up something for the engagement. I go to her grandma's house. I pick up some stuff for the engagement and she was heading to her grandma's house too. So I parked all the way down the road and I booked it like into the house and I ran across the street thinking that I could get inside of her grandma's house to pick up some stuff for the engagement before she got in. And me and, and as Kaya's turning the corner to her grandma's house, she just sees me booking it across the street and like <laughs> running into her grandma's house. Well, I get inside and I tell their grandma, like, I'm trying to engage to Kaya. She shouldn't know that I'm here. I think she saw me. I need to hide. And so I hide behind her bed. And when Kaya comes home, she goes, Grandma, like, is, did you see Austin somewhere? Like, he's here. I saw him. And her gra I made her grandma lie and say, no, I don't know where he's at. <laughs> so Kaya still gives me crap for this to this day about making her grandma lie. But I hide behind the bed. And uh, we wait till Kaya leaves to go over to her sister's house. Or something. I forget where she was at this point. But I sneak out of the house and I meet up with Kaya's sister to to set up a like proposal site by uh, Utah Lake, and it's just really pretty area. We're gonna do it at sunset, and it turns out I met up with Asha, 
and I we found out that there was a wedding going on at the exact same site that I wanted to propose to Kaya at. And we just like scramble. We're like, what do we do? Like, I've got to pick up Kaya for, for, for quote unquote dinner. Um, yeah. What are we going to do? And um, I told Asha, I said, take everything. Asha had her baby at the time, Atlas, was trying to juggle a baby, all of the camera equipment and all of this other, you know, all of this materials that I'd given her. I'm like, just take it somewhere and I'll, just meet you wherever you put it. Like just drop a pin on your iPhone and just tell me where to go. And I'll propose to Kaya there. Well, I end up going to pick up Kaya and Kaya is like super suspicious of what I'm doing. And I'm like, don't worry, nothing's going on. And meanwhile, I just start driving randomly waiting for a pin to show up on my phone. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to drive. And she goes, where are you going? And I said, I literally don't even know. I'm just going to keep driving this car. Well, uh, turns out I, I just told Asha, I was like, just let's forget about it. We're not going to do this thing. Like it didn't work. Uh-huh. There was a wedding at the venue. This, this thing wasn't supposed to work out. Well, mm-hmm. we go out to dinner at Texas Roadhouse and Kaya just wouldn't stop asking me like, Hey, what's going on? Like she was really suspicious of everything. Like seeing me, like I was lying to about where I was <laughs> and then we're just going to dinner at Texas Roadhouse. And she's like, what's going on? And I told her, I was like, well, look, you want to know the honest truth? I've got your ring in my pocket and I was going to, I was going to propose to you, <laughs> but it didn't work. There was somebody getting married at the spot and she goes, Oh, okay. And so I just felt like a complete loser, which, you know, <laughs> rewinding this, it, it gets worse. It gets way worse, but oh, no. rewinding this a little bit more, uh, as you, as you know, we've talked about before in this episode, my dad passed away years prior. And so I didn't really have that like father, they figured to call and be like, Hey dad, how do I do this? Well, one uncle, my uncle Todd walked me through it and he was like, Hey, you'll be nervous. Uh, you know, like things could go wrong, but just, it's okay. Just, just calm down. You know, it'll all work out Austin. And he shared with me his story, like really good advice, you know, like kind of empathizing with me. My other uncle I call, he's from New Jersey and he goes, Austin, you want to know my advice? Don't suck. (laughs) So that was it. He just said, don't suck. (laughs) Um, but I ended up sucking bad at my engagement, at my engagement. So, uh, we're at dinner and I just thought, you know what? I just felt like a complete loser. I totally bailed on. I totally didn't make this thing work. And, uh, I think Kaya kind of felt bad for me. Also was a little bummed that she was going to get proposed to and then didn't. So yeah. we kind of, we kind of both felt sad. Right. But, um, mm. anyways, I'm driving home and I had the best idea. I was like, well, I could chill. I could still do this thing and go back to that spot at night and give Kaya like a little speech about how things always don't go as planned, but we make it work because we love each other. So I ended up going back to the lake where I was going to propose to park my car. We get out of the car and it, there are mosquitoes everywhere, like everywhere. And so I, I take her out to the dock and it's just pitch black. And we like, I'm like, let's just lay down and look at the stars. Well, we're lying down looking at the stars Kaya gets bit by a mosquito on her eyelid. So her eyes swollen. And, um, so I, I just like, Hey, Kaya, I do my speech. I'm like, Kaya, things don't always go as planned, but you know, we'll, we'll always make it work. I said, stand up. And I got on one knee and I started to reach in my pocket and Kaya was like, no, 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 don't do it. And I'm like, no, what? And as I like give up, I, I, I see these, I, there's a bright, uh, bright headlights in the background and there's a tow truck there to tow my car for parking late at night at the lake. And so, I mean, talk about just not following my uncle's advice of not just don't suck. It it was bad. So, you know, I ended up trying again, like two days later. And ultimately she said, yes, is the picture perfect proposal. And it all worked out. But it's funny because when I proposed to Kaya, I wrote her a letter. And at the very bottom of the letter, it's a picture of me proposing at a dock. But that never happened. So anyways, (laughs) that is my proposal story. Luckily, she said yes the second time. And here we are married in Georgia with a baby named Georgia. So... (laughs) Yeah. You guys have been married how long now? Three three years, man. Just over how, three years, dude. Yeah, it's been and we've learned I've learned a lot. And then you know that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. But I know that you have had a uh had an interesting proposal or hectic is what you told me. Oh man, hectic is the right word. Um so 
uh, Marisha and I, we had already talked about getting married. Um, and we, I, I had found a ring. I was working with her sister, um, knew like what ring wanted to get her. And I ordered the ring. Um, and this was, uh, so the, the, I was, I was at, uh, Yusuf at this time and the Academy shut down in March. This was, uh, this was March, the middle of March Academy shut down when COVID really broke out. This is 2020. And they sent the lower three classes home, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. They sent them all home. So it was just seniors on campus. That's it. And they shut, they like locked down campus for a month. And Marisha was living in Colorado Springs at the time. Like it was like a 20 minute drive or so to her house, something like that. And we couldn't see each other for that whole month, which like sucked. And <laughs> because of COVID, they were sanitizing all packages that came in to base. So if like at the post office, they would take your package, they'd spray it with Lysol or whatever, oh and then gosh. they'd leave it and it would, they would like quarantine <laughs> the packages for days and no one ever knew like when you, when your stuff was going to arrive. And, um, we, we were supposed to graduate in May. They pushed our graduation to the middle of April, um, because of some really, uh, horrible things that, that were going on at the time. So they're like fast forwarding. They're going to like, okay, you guys are going to go, um, you guys are going to like you graduate early and what's going to happen is you're going to graduate and then you have to go home wherever home is for you. And you have to stay there for two months, like wherever home is. And so I was going to have to, uh, I was going to graduate on April 18th and then I was going to have to drive to California from Colorado and I was going to have to stay at my mom's house for the next 60 days, just quarantining at my mom's house. Like, and you were not allowed to travel. You were not allowed to leave or go anywhere. Uh, normally this is when everyone like goes on vacation, goes to Europe or travels around the world during these two months of like free vacation time. But instead we, everyone went home like to their parents' house and stayed there. So I'm thinking like, I'm supposed to propose to Marisha at some point during this whole time. Like, I don't know when, but now I, I don't really have the option to kind of like make it work. And so I'm like talking to my older brother, um, right. Cause I also know my dad to like talk to. And so I'm like talking to my older brother. I was like, do I, like, what do I do? Do I like propose to her over FaceTime or something? Like, I don't, how do how do I do? Do I record a video and like somehow plant this ring at her house that like, she then goes on this like video scavenger hunt and finds the ring and like, it's like a virtual, like I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Cause like, I yeah. wasn't going to be able to go to her house. Finally, I'm like, <laughs> uh, Marisha is at the time she was learning how to solve a Rubik's cube. Cause I was a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Rubik's cube nerd. So she was learning to solve a Rubik's cube. And I knew that, um, Rubik's cubes have speed cubes have this like empty space kind of inside between the pieces. And, I was like pretty sure that it was like big enough that you could stick a ring inside of it. And so I was like, dude, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like talk to her sister. I'm going to sneak off base. I'm going to get this ring, or I'm going to get the cube. Then I'm going to stick the ring inside the cube. She <laughs> still doesn't fully know how to solve it. And then I'm going to tell her over the phone how to solve the cube. And then I'll tell her how to like pop the piece out and then she can like pull the ring out and she'll have the ring. And then like, uh -huh. You know, it's like a sort of like a virtual the proposal, but she has the ring in person kind of thing and uh -huh. like coming up with 50 different ideas on how to do this. Well, it's like coming up to game time. It's like April. It's, it's April 17th, the day before graduation. And we were given permission to go off base to get packing supplies because like we all have to pack out and like leave. And a lot of people don't have buckets or bins or tape or anything like that. And so they were like, you are allowed to go to Walmart and that's it. You can only go to Walmart. And so I text my sister-in-law, Marisha's sister. I'm like, Hey, steal Marisha's Rubik's cube and meet me in the parking lot at Walmart tonight. And so we meet up in the parking lot. I get the cube and I'm like, I go to open it. And it turns out this cube is designed differently. Um, Rubik's cubes like change in design as they get like more advanced and get faster and whatnot. And there's like a ring will not fit in this thing. And I was like, crap, there goes all my plans. Those are all mm -hmm. my plans. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, so I tell her, uh, so I, I keep the cube and I like, take it home and I'm going to figure it out. And I kind of just asked her sister some questions. Well, then I go back and dude, the, her ring still hasn't showed up. And I'm like oh, no. freaking out. I was like, dude, her ring's not here. Like, I don't like, it's supposed to be here. It says it's here, but the post office doesn't have it because they're sanitizing packages. So now I don't have a ring. Now I don't know how I'm supposed to give it to her. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So, um, at the time I was wearing a, a CTR ring, like the yeah. 99 cent children's ring, the ones that you kind of like bend around your finger, like super cheap metal. 
I was like wearing yeah. one on like my pinky finger. Um, and, and for those who are listening, it's just like a, a little ring and it says CTR and it stands for choose the right. And it's just a reminder to like do good things, do the right thing all the time. And I was like, well, I guess I can propose to her with this because it's a ring and it's the one that I have. So <laughs> I, uh, work it out so that on graduation day, I go off base, right? Everyone's like leaving. I'm going to go off base. I'm going to go to Marisha's house for a few hours. I can hang out with her and her family, then come back, get my stuff and then go home. Like, and I'm just going to leave that same day. Well, the morning of graduation, uh, oh, and, and in terms of like how I was going to propose, I was just going to make it up as I went. I was like, I'll like, I've been learning the song and the guitar that I can sing to her. So I'll, you know, but I don't, I don't remember the words all that great. I keep messing up the words, but like I'll, I can play her this song and I can, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wing it. I'll figure it out when I get there, but I have so many yeah. other things to worry about. Well, the air force was supposed to send me to San Diego to go to graduate school, but my orders for graduate school hadn't come in yet. So the orders that I had before I got accepted to graduate school were for orders for me to go to Germany. And so I have these like international orders that say, you know, Jared Maltaitusi is ordered to go to Germany and serve this assignment and whatnot. And I was waiting for the new orders to come in that told me to go to San Diego, but because they hadn't come in yet, I still had to do all of the paperwork necessary to go to Germany. And I find out the morning of graduation, right? That I have to get all of these papers signed by all these different entities that no one else has to do. If they're staying stateside, it's only people going overseas and I'm not even actually going overseas, but my paper says I'm going overseas. So I still have to go and get all these people to sign these stupid papers. And of course it's the morning of graduation and the vice president of the United States is coming to speak at our graduation. So of course, they force all the cadets to go into the like cafeteria hall and they lock the cafeteria hall down so they can do sweeps of all of the bed, the bed dorm rooms to make sure no one has guns or weapons or, or anything like oh that. I mean, gosh. it's this whole ordeal. So I have no time all morning to go and get these papers signed. And I'm like, okay, well, the, as soon as the graduation ceremony is over, when everyone else is like getting their stuff and leaving, I will run to every office on this base and I will get them to sign this paper. I do this. It takes me all day. Like, all day long. I finally finished and I'm not even done packing at this point. Like I had been so busy trying to get this crap done that I, I wasn't even unpacking my room. So I run, I get everyone to sign all these papers. I go back to my room. I change. It's like seven o'clock at night now. <clears throat> I just like throw on my clothes. I text her. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I'll be there as soon as I can. The sun's already going down. And I like, I just book, it. I just drive to her house and I just grab my guitar and I have like this ring on my pinky finger and I'm like, we'll make it work. I show yeah. up to her house and her family was like, they met me at my car and they were like, Hey, we want to take some pictures of you and Marisha. Cause you guys don't have any pictures together. Cause we hadn't taken a single picture together at this point. And that is so funny. <laughs> we're, awesome. we, we're, I haven't even proposed yet. I literally just showed up. I didn't go in the house. We just went straight through the side yard into the backyard, into like this hiking trail that's behind her house. We just go back there. And somebody takes pictures of us on their iPhone. And it was like her sister. So they're like taking cute pictures of us. And we're just like together. You know, it's a beautiful view of the mountains and whatnot. But these are like the only pictures that we have together. And then we go back in the house. We like look at the pictures. We're eating some pizza. And I'm like, okay, uh, I need to like, can I, Marisha, can I talk to you downstairs? Like the basement real quick. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, sure. So we get up and I go to my car to grab uh, my guitar. And as we're like walking downstairs into the basement, I have, <laughs> I have her Rubik's cube in my pocket and she doesn't know that I've taken it. And because like her sister had given it to me at the Walmart the day before. And so we're like going downstairs and I was like, Oh, uh, so we sit, we sit down on, uh, like on a bed downstairs in the basement in like one of the guest rooms. And I pull out her Rubik's cube. I'm like, so, uh, this is your Rubik's cube and I'm sorry, I have it. I'm just giving it back. And she's like, no, it's not my Rubik's cubes in my room. And I was like, no, this is it. I have your cube. She's like, what on earth? And so then I start telling her all about how I was trying to do this thing. And I had met with her sister and I was trying to get this, the ring to fit in this cube and blah, blah, blah. And then I, they, like after all this monologuing, then I just, I, I told her I loved her and I, I proposed to her right there. And I, yeah. told her, I was like, and I was supposed to get your your ring, but then your ring didn't come in the mail. So I, this is what I have. And I just like take my ring off and it's, it's literally like 99 cents. This, yeah. this ring. And I, like, I give it to her and I, I proposed to her. Um, I sing her a song on the guitar and it goes well. And yeah. after, I don't know how long we were downstairs, maybe like 15, 20 minutes or something like that. But after I finished, like, okay, I have to go now. Like I have to go back and finish packing because we have to leave because we're driving to California like in the morning. And so like 
so we go back upstairs, you know, everyone's like really happy. They all know that I'm proposing. Um, and then I leave, I was at our house for like a total of maybe two hours. Um, I hadn't seen her in over a month at this point, propose two hours later, leave. Uh, and I drive back to base. I pack all night long and then we drive to California, we drive to Arizona and then to California the next day. Well, I, because my, my ring had arrived or her ring had arrived on base and they had sanitized the package. It like sat at the post office on base forever. And then they had to forward it to my address in California. So it takes weeks for this thing. It finally shows up at my house in California weeks later. And I'm like, okay, now I need to send this to Marisha. Like, how do I get this to her? Um, well that, that was it. That was as far as my thinking goes. So I like write her a letter. Um, and I fold the ring up in this letter and stick it in an envelope, just like a regular paper envelope. And I was like, dude, I've sent all sorts of like funky shaped things in envelopes. Like they're always, it's never a problem whatsoever. I stick her engagement ring in a letter in a regular paper envelope, no hard packaging, no nothing. <laughs> and part of me thought, you know, I should probably stick this in like a bubble wrap envelope or something, but those are like five or six bucks. And I'm just going to, it, it'll probably be fine. Yeah. Mail it to her weeks later, or days later, whatever. She gets it. It's like the middle of the summer. Um, <laughs> and she grabs it out of the uh, mailbox and it is torn to shreds. And there's this shiny gold thing <laughs> dangling out of this envelope. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing. <laughs> no, it deserves. I will never live this down. Her family will never let me live this down because oh here is her engagement ring dangling out of a shredded envelope. The letter is shredded to pieces because, you know, going through the sorter and she just yeah. has this and she's like, I cannot believe he did this <laughs> to save like five or six dollars on shipping that's how yeah anyway Dude, you're the finance guy though man. You <laughs> save five dollars on that shipment well and and the thing is it wasn't an expensive engagement ring marisha did not want like real diamonds yeah. she she just wanted like a gold ring with like a cubic zirconium stone so i think the ring was only like 200 bucks at most so i was yeah part of me was like if it doesn't make it, I can get another one. It's not the big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is what it is. It but did not make that it. Is, it. It did not make dude, it. Yeah. It that, that, barely, that is legendary. Barely That's a good story. made it, dude. <laughs> Part so, of it made it. That, that is, is a that. good story, man. I, I, Kaya was, a, oh, and in Kaya's defense, it, and I, I got to say this too. Um, Kaya told me no because she was worried the ring was going to fall in the lake. So, hey, you know, in her defense, and obviously wow. there wasn't a photographer there, but, uh, oh, Kaya was the same way. She was like, dude, like just, I don't need a real diamond, just cubic zirconium's fine, man. And so mm. that's a good, that, that's awesome, man. Like when it's like the focus is our relationship, <laughs> not on a, on a rock that costs money, you know? So, uh, we yeah. got to go into that another time, but it's like the focus was where it needed to be. Um, yeah. but I, so Cool, man. I'm stoked for this. Your your story is legendary. I like yours <laughs> a ton. We uh, hopefully uh, listeners just just don't do what we did. Um, <laughs> you'll e- probably be just fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> so um, I, I think that kind of leads us into like what we want to go in tonight with with lessons that we've learned so far in our marriage. And we don't profess to kind of to know everything, but I've been married for three years now. Jared's, you guys been married for two and a half, you said. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of kind of want to go back and forth and talk about some of the things that we've learned so far. And so I'll start. And I think one of the things that surprises me the most is how much I have changed and how much my wife has changed through the process of being married and through everything that we've gone through, through moving, through jobs. And it's just like, we're, it, this is a really cool thing to say, but we are different people than we were when we got married in the best way. Um, yeah. Thank heavens. She, we are not the same people we were three years ago, dude. That would be a man. Yeah. Um, would. <laughs> so it's, uh, one of those things. So I, I actually asked Kai about this. I was like, Hey, so, you know, what is, we've been married for three, three years now. Like, how do you think we've changed a lot? Uh, how do you think that we've changed the most? There's Georgia, if you can hear her, but, uh, how do you think we've changed the most? And I'm just wondering, like, what, what have you seen different in me? 
And she goes, well, um, you used to be really tender hearted and now you're like a sales bro. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, and we kind of <laughs> talked about it a little bit and okay. A little bit of background on this. When, when I was, when we first got married, I was, uh, you know, when I first, when we first started dating, getting really serious, I was a cheerleader at the BYU, at BYU cheerleading team. And she's like, you're like way more tender hearted. And, uh, background on that as I, I was a BYU cheerleader and there was a game where we were at the football stadium and a little girl got lost. And so I like, I was waiting in the line to go, go use the restroom at the stadium, super long lines. And this little girl got lost and I went to go help her. She was just standing by the food stands and I was like, Hey, where's your family at? I helped her out. And so I got back and I, I helped her out. She found her mom. I got back in line and some BYU fan was like, Hey, what do you think you're doing? And I was like, dude, like I was just helping some per- some girl, like she lost her family. And uh, I'm just getting back in line, man. He's like, that's what everybody's saying. And so like, I got so sad. I was like, I, I, after Kaya, I was like, people are so mean. And I like cried, <laughs> but I was like, why didn't he care about the kid? And so now, nowadays I probably would have, I probably would have reacted, but, uh, but the, I think some, mm-hmm. for me personally, I've shifted a little bit. Like I've become a little bit more assertive, like goal driven, you know, like my career kind of has something to do with that. You know, like I kind of in control of my destiny. I really want to hit big goals and not that I wasn't like that before, but I told Kaya, like I was, we talked about it. And when we first got married, like we were perfectly fine with me going to school for like f- five years and then maybe making 60 grand a year as a occupational therapist. But it's like, as we've gotten married, my vision for my life has expanded quite a bit. And it's like, no, like I want to start tons of businesses and then also have a business down the road where I do get to work in occupational therapy, but I want to own the company that helps those individuals who have special needs. Like I, I want to, I, my vision has expanded a ton. And for Kaya, interestingly enough, Kaya and I, when we got married, she, oh, and with, with me expanding my vision, yeah, maybe I've come a little, become a little bit more assertive. Right. And it's like something Mm -hmm. that we both recognize. And, you know, I, 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 it's like, Hey, that's just how we've changed. Right. But with Kaya, when we got married, she was like, okay, I'm going to lift weights for five years. Don't even like mention having kids between that time. Like I'm going to lift weights for five years. After that, we can talk about kids. And her whole focus was just on her weightlifting career. And it was cool because I had told Kaya, Hey, I'll, I'll work my butt off so that you can pursue this weightlifting career. And, you know, I thought it was super attractive when we first started dating. And I still think it's attractive that she had these weightlifting goals. Now, as we were married, uh, I think Kaya started to you know, and there's a really cool story about this where Kaya was so dead set on weightlifting, but she felt like God was telling her, Hey, you know, like there's a little girl waiting for you up in heaven. And like, you guys have got to have a kid. And Kaya would bring it up over and over again about how, Hey, what if we had kids? And I, at first I brushed it off. I was like, that's funny. Like you're, you're weightlifting. (laughs) Like, and it kept coming up. And eventually Kaya one night just like really broke down. She was crying. She was like, Austin, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I feel like we're supposed to have a kid. There's a little girl waiting for us, but I want to lift weights. And so I gave her a blessing that night. If for people who are not familiar with our church, you know, we can give people blessings with the men in the church. They lay their hands on an individual's head and they give them a blessing. And for this, this is a blessing of comfort. And so we worked through this and she was like, Hey, like it's time to have a kid. And so we, for her, she was like, Hey, there's a two month window where we can have a kid and that two month window is the only two month window in in which I can still pursue a weightlifting career after. Yeah. And so it all worked out, which is so cool. But with Kaya, she went from being like this, like, oh, I'm only gonna do weightlifting. Um, and now she's just blossomed into like this amazing mother. And she loves being a mom. But three years ago, she she would have never thought about being a mom at this point. Yeah. And it's cool to see Kaya change right now as well, because she's actually more open to maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to do my weightlifting career for, but I love being a mom. And it's like, I told Kaya, I was like, I don't care what you do. Just, you know, be something and be really good at it. And if you want to be the best mom in the world, I think that's so cool, you know? So, um, just 
that Kaya has, I, I've always wanted Kaya to just pursue her passions in life. And it's, it's been cool to see her just really dive into the, her role as a mom. And she's an awesome mom. So it's, it's been cool to see her go from like weightlifter. Don't talk to me about kids to like, Hey, I love being a mama and she's an awesome mom. She's taking care of Georgia right now as we speak. So it's like, it's been cool, but that's just one of the things I've learned um, as, as we've been married and it's cool to see how we change and how we adjust to each other. And it'd be crazy if you didn't change, like you said, like, yeah, well, dude, I love that. And well, and I think one of the, uh, one of the reasons that we change, um, after we get married, this kind of ties into, uh, what the, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, um, uh, since getting married is that we, we get so much mental energy and bandwidth back after we get married. Um, I I like to think of it as that we get, we become so much more free in so many ways after we get married. And I think that's contrary to what a lot of people think like, Oh, you get, you get married, you're getting hitched, you're getting shackled, you're getting uh, handcuffed, whatever. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, like the, like the word in Spanish for spouse also means handcuffed. So like, that's (laughs) like, that's a, that's a common joke that people make. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's like one of those, but but that's one of the things, man. So, so somebody, man, I can't remember who it was. Someone explained it in a way that I felt like really, really captured it. So, um, before you get married and when you're kind of in that married, maritable age, you size up every single person you see 24 mm-hmm. seven, no matter what, and you can't help it. So you have these like fleeting thoughts, like, so you're, you're sitting in a room, hanging out with your buddies at a party, whatever event, whatever you see a girl walk through the door, you immediately size her up. You immediately put her into a bucket of, is she worth pursuing? Yes, possibly no. And that's it. It, You you can't help it. And then often if you see a guy walk into a room, you size him up as competition. You know, is he, is he a competitor? Yes or no. And that's it. And it's, it's a super quick thought but we do it all the time, man. I, I can't, I can't even, man. I remember like getting like a new semester at school starts. You like walk into a classroom, dude. And immediately you like scan the room and you're looking at like, okay, are any of these girls potential suitors? And are any of these dude like which one of these dudes do I need to be looking out for? And it's not that you're verbalizing this like out loud or even like really consciously, but your brain is looking for a mate. Like you are, you are searching for someone that could be your lifelong companion. And so this kind of ties into that story that, um, that I told in our, in our trailer episode, uh, when Marisha and I first saw each other before we knew each other and I thought she could lose a couple pounds and she thought I was a total D bag. And (laughs) what's, uh, what's funny about that story is, is how, uh, is how true, how true those sentiment, like how true that example is. Because here's the thing: when I talked to Marisha about it, uh, she said that she spent maybe half a second thinking about it. She had the thought, and then it was gone. It was, it was. She, it wasn't like she sat there and she's like, hmm, you know, because this guy looks this way, because he acts this way, he talks this way, he moves this way. I think he, no, none of that happened. Now, so, so <laughs> to set the set the stage, because I was I was told I ought to uh, clarify this story a little bit. So <laughs> I was. Um, we were at church. I'm getting up in front of everybody to speak. I had forgotten my white shirt, my white button down shirt at school. And so I borrowed my buddy's button down shirt, but my buddy's shirt was a size medium and I'm six foot three, a couple hundred pounds. And <laughs> this shirt was way too small for me, but it was the only it's shirt medium. I have. So exactly dude. So like the collar doesn't fit. It's like definitely not button. So my tie is like barely even up. Um, the buttons are like about to pop. I'm like, this thing is like way too small, but it's what I've got. Um, and so I'm up there talking or whatever, and yeah, I'm like pretty charismatic and, and energetic, but given the, the appearance and just like this aura, I guess that I had, she instantly categorized me as a no. And then that was it. That was it. There, there were no other thoughts after that. It was just a no, and then moves on. And then when I saw her, it was the exact same thing. She stands up. I thought about her maybe half a second maybe one full second, probably because I'm a little bit slower. So like I saw her and I was like, oh, she's cute. Could lose a couple pounds. That's it. Boom, done. Like did not think about her any more than that. 
And the thing is, she had just gotten back from being in Germany that whole summer. So she was teaching German and English to Syrian refugees while she was out there. And my wife loves German pastries. She loves chocolate chip yogurt. And um, of course, while she's out there, she's going to take advantage of all of it. And so I think maybe she had she had put on like 10 pounds that summer. And she, she had as part of her plan, like, I'll get home. I'll get back into running. I'll get back into shape. Shed the pounds. Like, not a big deal. And um, but but this encounter that we had was like maybe less than a week, maybe a whole week, if that, after she had gotten home. So um, it, it's crazy to me, like in the same way that um, she had sized me up, you know, just like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's wearing clothes that are too tight. He's, he looks a certain way, whatever. Um, I had sized her up too. And, and it was funny because we, we sized each other up on like wildly imperfect information. And the thing is, we do that about everybody until we get married. And oh my goodness, dude, once you get married, here's, here's something crazy. Once, once I got married, I became a thousand times more comfortable talking to women. Mm. Like it was, it was like, suddenly I didn't have to worry about the way I was coming across. If I, if I was, if it was just someone I wasn't romantically interested in, but I didn't want them to think I was. And so you're like making all these calculations and the words that you say, the way that you say them, how you act, all of these things. Like, no, now that I'm, now that I'm married, I can go talk to anybody. Like I can go talk to any woman, any girl, like anybody just, and I feel so comfortable and I, and I'm like perfectly comfortable telling them like, Hey, I just want, you know, you look really great today. Like that is a, that dress looks fantastic on you. You know, I yeah. could not have said that to anybody before I got married. No way, not a chance. But now dude, I'm yeah. so much more comfortable because I know that I have my wife and that she is beautiful and amazing and everything I could have hoped for in a spouse. And so I'm now so much more free, like all this, I don't have any of this like overhead mental space that's getting taken up by sizing people up all the time. And I just, I just think that's so amazing. And I never would have guessed it in a million years. Well, it's, it's, it's cool, man, because you know, like you can, you're, you're no longer like on the hunt, right? Like it's like, you're like, you're not like looking yeah. around anymore. You can just be with the person you're with. And I think here's another thing too, is sometimes things that sometimes people think that like once you're married and you have finally found your, your person, it's like the, the, the hunt is over. I think, no, I, I think it still continues like within the marriage to like my, so for example, my, um, my grandfather on my stepmom's side, he would always like give my grandma a new contract every year and be like, Hey, I want to renew the contract with you. Will you renew it? So that's just something. It just goes to show that even when I don't even know how old he was before he passed away, but every year he would he would want to live his life in a way where his wife would continue would want to continue to be married to him. But it's kind of cool because all your efforts are going to your spouse. And I think as husbands, we have that duty to all that effort and the energy that we would have had beforehand like sizing people up and trying to go out of our way to make a good impression well now that just goes to our relationship and i think you know it's important to remember like hey it doesn't stop it just you know that that energy goes all to your wife and it's so cool because i know that like i don't need to go out and and worry about my wife running off with some other dude or with me going off with some other girl it's like no we're married together and it's it's so cool so and you know we've made a commitment to each other um, so, so to anybody listening to this, it's not married. It's, it's a great thing to have. Like, it's not, it's just a beautiful way to live life. Your freedom goes up a ton. So it just, uh, thanks for sharing that, man. I think talking a little bit about how we treat our spouses, uh, you know, like the pers like it does, the, the pursuing doesn't end. Right. So it just makes me think about a lesson I talked to you about the other day. It's like how you treat your spouse is how they will reciprocate. So one of my mentors, his name's Jeremy Davis. I'll mention him a lot in our podcast, I'm sure. But he always talks to me about filling their bucket and your bucket will be filled. So putting them as a focus will actually, uh, it will actually end up with them putting you as their focus. So it's the littlest things though. An example of this is recently I've been going to the gym in the morning, 8.30 in the morning. 
uh, 9.30 in the morning. And sometimes I'll stay longer to get some more sets in. But I'll call Kaya on the way home to let her know, hey, I'm coming home. And recently, I just noticed her tone has been super loving and accepting. Like she wasn't worried about me staying longer. Whereas, hey, that could have been a thing in the past. But just the fact like, hey, how are you? Like just just the tone and how she talks to me on the phone made a huge difference to how I showed up at the house. And it's just like she was super happy to talk to me after I was done with the gym. So I came home way happy to talk to her. And it's the tona- it's tonality of your voice. I mean, the difference between, hey, Kaya, and hey, Kaya, it's so different. In fact, she probably heard me upstairs when I said that. But the, the difference is, it's dramatic. And, it, and you, even though you're saying the same words, it means something different. Your body language towards your spouse, if you're on your phone and if you're looking at your phone, those little things add up. And the same way you act, they will act to you. And so... It just uh, it just resonated with me, man. That that pursuit, that pursuit. That's the word I was looking for earlier. That pursuit doesn't end. Take that energy and put it back into your marriage. Yeah, well, and and <clears throat> building off of that, um, Dieter Dieter F. Uchtdorf and um, in a talk that he gave a while back, he talked about how we we often fall into the trap of thinking that we are going to be that that we need to find someone that's a perfect match. And then get married, but instead he said, it, "Honestly, that part doesn't really matter. What matters is if you're doing little things consistently." And I, and I have the quote right here. Um, let's see. He says, "A couple may choose to get married, even though some in their own families do not consider them a perfect match. However, I have a great deal of hope for such a couple if, after the decision is made, they stay totally committed to each other and to the Lord with all their heart and mind." By treating each other with love and kindness and focusing on one another's emotional, spiritual, and temporal needs by doing the little things consistently, they become the perfect match. And then he talks about how people who think they pick the, the perfect person, um, now here's, yeah, here's the quote, in contrast is the couple who thinks they picked the perfect person and then assumes that all the heavy lifting is over. If they quit courting each other, stop communicating one-on-one and slide back into egotism and a self-centered life, this couple is on a path that leads to sorrow and regret. And I think that's, I think that's so, so apt that like that it, it's very precise that we are constantly working on becoming the perfect match for our spouse. Um, and it's, it's a mutual thing, right? As you learn to fill your wife's needs, as we learn to fill our wife's needs better, then that means they're in a better place. That means they have more, perhaps let's say they have more energy, more time, more, more freedom. They feel more confident in themselves. They feel like they're learning and growing in their abilities. And that in turn is going to make them better help us in different ways. And it, and it builds on top of each other because we are each other's greatest support systems. And so if we're strengthening them, then that means they're stronger. And then they can strengthen us and that makes us stronger. And it just, it's just a back and forth all the time. Yeah. I, I mean, ties right in with that, right? Like if you're only focused about yourself, then it's not going to go anywhere. And I think that's one of the things I had to learn too, is with marriage, I have to learn how to compromise every now and then with me being, and that's been something that we've you know struggled with in our marriage, right? Like we're both really headstrong, um, but yeah. a lot of times like, I'll be like, no, I need it this way. And so that's something that Kaya and I have worked through. It's like, how do we find the middle ground on things? Because you have to compromise in marriage, right? And, you know, my wife's amazing. I think she does a good job adjusting to me sometimes when I get really stubborn. And I think we, we work together on that, right? And, and mm-hmm. something to be said too is like being stubborn is also, there's, there's another really awesome side of that. And it's just like, you're determined, right? Um, I think a lot of determined people also can have a stubborn side. So, um, a lot of people at church are like, wow, you guys are such a power couple. And I'm like, yeah, we can be pretty stubborn sometimes. (laughs) That's what I say. (laughs) But, um, on the, on the same note about like focusing on yourself, you've got to work on yourself. And so just another lesson I've learned in marriage is just getting your me time in at the beginning of the day so that you can better serve your spouse. If you know, they have that idea of like, you've got to be whipped to be a good husband and put yourself, like I talk about filling their bucket first. That's so important. But if you're not doing things to invest in yourself, in your health 
and your mind and your spirit every day, there's no way you can show up to be the best husband that you can be. So you take that, like focus on yourself so that you can serve your wife better. And so for me personally, I have to wake up early before Kaya and Georgia wake up in order to get that time in. And something really important with this is if something does go go wrong where I don't get that time, I've got to communicate openly with my spouse and be like, hey, I'm having a rough start today. Um, and just also realize that your spouse is also trying their best as well with everything. So that way you're not as quick to attack. If they're off one day, you can kind of, instead of react, you can respond and just say, hey, what's going on? Like open up conversation. And like I said, these are things that I'm working on because I've fallen under the side of, of not doing this and I react and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you mad at me? When really there's other there's something else that happened early on in the day that is causing one of us to be a little bit more irritable. So just get your me time in, take care of yourself so that you can show up and be that spouse that you want to be. Yeah. Well, and, and that taking that me time can look, um, it can look differently, um, based on like what, what your needs are and maybe what your spouse's needs are. Um, so Marisha and I, we, we get up together. Well, we're not together right now cause I'm not in Italy, but, <laughs> uh, normally we wake up together, uh, before the baby wakes up. And I remember wanting when we first got married, I remember wanting to wake up before she did so I could have some me time, but she really didn't like me waking up before she did because she wanted us to start and end the game, start and end of the day together. Um, and I remember that me kind of thinking, well, how am I supposed to get my me time in if we're like both getting up at the same time? And what, after, you know, a, a, a long time of, of, scheduling and uh like routines changing like what we do now is we we wake up at the same time we wake up together it helps us get out of bed early <laughs> together but then like we go downstairs we read you know a, a little bit of scripture together and then it's just quiet time for both of us like we sit at the table we share a mate and we read scriptures i read a personal development book and we like and we we're in the same spot next to each other not talking and it's just quiet and, you know, sometimes she'll have something that she wants to share with me or I want to share something with her, but it's just, it's like quiet time. And for both of us, it's, it's me time. It's that, you know, we're focusing on ourselves, but we're doing it in the same place at the same time every day. Um, so that we kind of, yeah, we're like, we're, we're supporting each other without having to, you know, be on top of each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, uh, that's huge. And I think it's cool that you guys like work that out. Like, Hey, this is what I need. Um, and then you guys like work through your schedule. And a lot of times when I talk to husbands and, you know, other, other friends of mine that are married, it's like, oh, we can't do all this because of our schedules. It's like, well, sit down, figure out what works for you and make that happen. So for us, it was like, Hey, what works with your training? Like, when can we eat dinner together every night? And that's what we do now. Like we have dinner together every night at the same time and, uh, we make it work. So it's, that's cool that you guys like work together to get your time in together. Um, and there's just that, that there's that open communication that you'll see here is like a theme so far as we talk is like communication leads to a happy marriage. And the times when we're not communicating are the times that really end up just leading to, to conflict. And, and just like, and this is like one of the lessons I learned, right? Setting the right expectations can help eliminate conflict. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two coming out real soon.